Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Did you feel like Usher made love in the club, or was it a dud of a Super Bowl halftime show? 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. All right, here, here's my official take, Stubb, all right? Okay. It was very entertaining, but I really think Usher's a better dancer than he is a singer. Like, it, I, I don't know why. Like, I, I could have watched him do his dance moves for 35, 45 minutes, but after, like, the first song or two, I was kind of tired of him singing. Is that That's just me. What he didn't play some of his classics, and I think that's important yeah. to consider here. Right? Yeah. Like, like no, we got, yeah, point. but I, I think some of his early songs, I just didn't know what they were, and that's hard to get yeah. you pumped. All right, let's take a listen to a snippet of Usher last night at the Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, you could just hear from this snippet stuff. He's not doing much singing. Was he was dancing around. <laughs> he was jumping up and down. He was grooving. Uh, they obviously had a microphone issue, right? He was trying to do the, you know, the mic that was attached to his ear. He needed a handheld mic. You know, it was not working. It was a lot of background noise. Uh, but I will say, I was in love with the dancing. So, oh, like, yeah. if I'm just, if I'm just, uh, you know, debating how his halftime performance was based off the dancing, I would say it was like an eight out of ten. But when you have to include the singing and everything, I think it goes much worse than that. What, what kind of ranking would you give? It? I don't think it goes much worse than that. I, I, I think okay. a lot of the Super Bowl halftime performance is spectacle because you can listen yeah. to an Usher song whenever you want. So I think the spectacle and the dancing and the visuals and the effects weight so much higher that I'd, I'd give this a seven or an eight out of ten. Okay, okay. Um, Alicia Keys, though, she was a little bit off-key. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Do you have a, a little clip of Alicia Keys last night at the Super Bowl? Yeah, we have our opening notes here. Okay. Some people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Hold <laughs> yeah, that on, bad. run it back. One more time. Right? One more time. Some people. I'm going to, like, I don't know anything about singing. But that's that sounded like my mom. That's like that's tough. how my mom that's sings. A tough start. That's a mom singing right there. Dude, wow. I I, I I I at the Super Bowl party I said more like Alicia off keys. I got I yeah. got a couple. I got a good laugh. I got a hearty <laughs> oh, laugh from the group. Got it, it really boosted my ego there. So guys, Stop it wasn't it wasn't that funny, guys. Practicing his stand up comedy. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's hear let's hear more Some of Usher. Some people. <laughs> you wanted one more. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. All right, here's Usher performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. All right, tell me when you actually hear Usher, because I, I hear Usher, but it's pre-recorded. Like, I don't hear any of Usher live. Yeah, we got, we got one more. That's kind of my issue. All maybe, right, let's maybe this will have him. Okay. Like a little bit, I guess. Uh, here's another thing that's going to make me feel old here. I don't get excited for Lil John anymore. Oh, Lil John crazy. is 53 years old now, and he's walking around the stage saying, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, turn down for what? And, like, what other lines does Lil John have besides just, like, one word? Like, he's a one-word machine. And it gets he's pumped. a one-trick pony. I get pumped pony. every time. I just need to hear him say, yeah, and I'm ready really? to go. 
Oh <laughs> man, no, I'm I'm feeling old now. I used to love Lil John. I used to get fired up anytime he opened his mouth. And now I'm like, dude, get off stage. You were ruining the show for me. Uh Ludacris came out also. I love um, Luda. I, I don't I do love Ludacris, but at this point I kind of view him as a guy from the Fast and Furious rather than yeah, a guy that's, that's an actual rapper. Right? Like it's not like we've heard Luda come out with any new songs recently, so he was doing stuff that we heard twenty years ago. But that's I don't know. what the Super Bowl is about. Yeah, it's believe me, I'm not crushing this. I'm not crushing this and giving this below a five out of ten. Okay. All right, because Usher's dance moves were great. I, when he took his shirt off, I was fired up. All right, <laughs> I was ready to take my shirt off and dance around. It was the dancing, the spectacle. You're right. The visuals were kind of awesome. I just, I, I think the audio lacked a ton for me to give this higher than a seven. I would probably go around a six point five or a seven out of ten here for the Super Bowl halftime performance. This was the sweatiest halftime performance of all time, perhaps. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Usher, Usher looked like he it, it was pouring down rain. I've never seen someone produce that much water on their face. Yeah. Well, maybe the problem was he was wearing a blanket pregame. Did you see that? I did not when he see walked that. Into the stu- when he walked into the stadium, he's wearing a blanket on him like he was uh, afraid of the rain or something. And then all of a sudden, he does all these war- wardrobe changes. Uh, who was that that he brought out there, the female with the sunglasses? I Do you know, know who that is? I did not H-E- know who that was. I think her name is Her, H-E-R. I didn't, I've no. never heard of her, uh, but she came out there and performed. Um, and, and then everybody was talking about how Swiss Beats would react to uh, Usher putting his, all, his ha- hands and body all over Alicia Keys on Sunday. Did that you was, see that? <laughs> I have seen some good. <laughs> they, yeah. So someone was like, that's someone's wife up there he's dancing with. Like, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing that caught me off guard was I did not know that Usher could rollerblade, and I cannot rollerblade. <laughs> and so because of that, I'm going to actually ding him up one more point. Give me a ding for that. The rollerblading was impressive, Stub. I, I oh, Really, I didn't see it coming. He was going around and singing. Like, I, I literally can't even stay on my feet on rollerblades. He was rolling in circles, doing tricks, and singing. That was the best part of that performance, plus when he wore this, like, Dallas Cowboys, like, blue and black outfit. That was really cool. And then right then Luda came out. Um, but I, I really thought that the whole thing was just messed up audio. And, and I, I just can't get over that. Like, this is the Super Bowl halftime here. And I was in Allegiant Stadium. And believe me, when I was in there, I didn't think the audio was that great for the opening ceremony. So maybe this is less on Usher and more on the sound system in the brand new stadium there in Vegas. I'd imagine if anyone could get sound right, it would be Vegas. With all right. their, how much spectacle they're known for. That surprises Bel- me. Believe me, you two sounded much better on Wednesday <laughs> night in the sphere than than Usher did. I mean, my biggest issue was that he just he wasn't doing much singing. He was like singing one line and then dancing and pop lock and dropping and good for him, but he didn't <laughs> sing enough for me. He just didn't sing enough. Well, you know who did sing? Who? Some people. Oh. <laughs> you want to keep crushing her? I like her. She no, was I a little Alicia off key. Keys. That's I fine. She was. Keys. She was definitely a little off key, though. My goodness, it was. It was not the best start for her. How many? How many album sales do you think she's going to get do today? Uh, not. Not very many. I feel like. <laughs> well, you know, I think you see, you hear anyone's name. On the Super Bowl, yeah. they're going to get album sales. Little John's yeah. going to get some album sales, hopefully. That's a that's a good point. That's a good point. But it is interesting how the the NFL has never paid a Super Bowl halftime performer, 
right? It's just, hey, go out there and it's a free commercial for your music. Go out there and kill it. They're like, you know, they're like, hey, Travis Kelsey, go out there and earn a big contract. Go make a play on the ball, Travis. And uh, I don't think Usher dropped the ball, uh, but uh, it was uh, it was a double doink, and then it went in. All right, I'll give him. I'm gonna okay. officially give him a seven point two, a seven point two for this halftime All performance. Right. The dancing is what did it for me. The dancing. And the taking his shirt off, you and know, the rollerblading, the rollerblading, right, right, and and that blue, the blue and black part of the costume was really cool, um, and some of the backup dancers, but just yeah, the sing. If I'm just du- judging on the singing of Usher, Alicia Keys, and her, right, the other other person that her. came out and played the guitar, uh, I would probably give it like a two out of ten. So the dancing did a big thing for me here. Right. I also I wanted another celebrity to come out, like I don't know. Somebody a little bit more relevant. That was kind of the, my biggest issue with this, and maybe, I, maybe I'm old now, right? But it just felt like I was hearing songs that were all 20 years old by people that were way past their prime. I mean, we had that, that Snoop Dogg halftime show a while ago. That, <laughs> that's even a bit older, and I think everyone liked that one a lot. Yeah, but, I mean, Snoop's the man, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I, believe me, maybe I'm wrong here. You can call in and give me your thoughts, 833-804-0910. If I was 15 years old... And you tell me it's Usher with Lil John and Ludacris. You know, I, I would have had my my shirt off dancing around with them, but <laughs> maybe they're they're just older and I'm older and it didn't hit. I it was not a ten out of ten. It was not a nine out of ten. It was about a seven. Um, and a lot of that, the positive was just the dancing. If you cl- if you watch this halftime show with your eyes closed. You were not giving it a good rating. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We do have another piece of laundry to get to on the show today. That is the bet between Rick, our sales uh, manager, and Jeff Wicker. Who is going to be an intern for the day on AWOD Radio? Stub, what are the results? It will be Rick. What was the outcome? How, how did it, it, it work out? It was very out? close. Okay. Uh, so they we we had a, a bet on the total points over under yep. forty seven and a half, and the final score was forty seven. Oh Jeff, my gosh! Yeah. No way! Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff said okay. it would be under, so he got that right. So that that led him to win that for CMC over ninety and a half rushing yards. That also didn't hit, even though yep. CMC got one hundred and sixty yards total. Uh, and, and Rick bet the over, uh, bet the under on that, so he was right, and Jeff was wrong. They both bet the over on Kelsey. But the final one was Mahomes for 262 and a half passing yards. Rick bet the under, and that is why he lost. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I almost took Patrick Mahomes over 400 uh, receiving, or excuse me, passing and rushing yards. That was a big plus number. I believe he ended up with 399, right? <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't take that bet. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Uh, after the Super Bowl, CBS 9 in Washington, D.C. Chick Hernandez aired an interview with Commander's owner Josh Harris. We'll discuss that next on the Richmond Commander. Go, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. I feel like I was kind of put on earth to do this. Uh, I'm lucky and humbled to be able to, to be in this situation, but I also feel uh, a tremendous obligation to the city. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So just getting back here this weekend to Richmond after the Bud Light Big Game Week 5 live shows in Vegas. I'll tell you guys, that was just Josh Harris. I hope Josh can be the guy 
that brings me to a Super Bowl to actually cover my favorite team, right? That's what I was so uh, jealous about, speaking with Danon Hughes, who does the Chiefs Radio Network, or Soren Petro, who's live in Kansas City and joined us from Radio Row. They are covering a dynasty, otherwise known as the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what I'm so jealous about, is that I was out there having fun. And I will say, it felt like outside of the Chiefs and 49ers, a lot of the NFL conversations were about Dan Quinn, Kingsbury, Caleb Williams, and the future of the Washington Commanders. Uh, But it was not our team that was front and center playing in the big game as the Chiefs took down the 49ers in Super Bowl 58 Sunday night in Vegas, 25-22, to become the first team in the NFL in 19 seasons to repeat as Super Bowl champions. They've now won three titles in the last decade. All of the constants there, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, who took home his third career Super Bowl MVP award, becoming the only third player, only the third player in NFL history to do so. That's the lead story as we go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. All right, hear me out, Stubb, all right? And and, and check me on this. I don't want to okay. sound misogynistic here. I really don't. But the first winner in winners of losers of the big game has to be Taylor Swift fans. I'm just so jealous of the fact that they've been watching football for four months and are celebrating a Super Bowl. All right, so I have a, I have a friend named Maddie, all right, who okay. had a party last night with – and I watched her Instagram stories, and I'm just getting triggered by it this morning because it's like 15 <laughs> girls, and all the the whole Super Bowl theme was Taylor Swift. They were hanging Taylor Swift albums on the wall, you know, hanging Taylor Swift quotes. They were all wearing uh, T-shirts and long sleeve shirts that they got. We support Taylor's boyfriend. They were all in on the bit, and they're posting Instagram videos of them celebrating them winning the Super Bowl like they've been waiting 40 years for this to happen. And that I'm just so jealous of this, and so that's. My, my first winner of the big game is just Taylor Swift fans. They never had to deal with heartbreak that I've had year after year after year. They picked up the sport. They just learned about what first downs are six months ago, and now they're hoisting a fake Lombardi trophy singing this is Taylor's <laughs> version, and I'm losing my freaking mind, Stop. I think that's fair. You know, uh, for anyone who, who joins a team, you know, we'd, we, you'd call them a bandwagon if it wasn't just a Taylor Swift thing. If anyone was like, right. oh, I'm a Chiefs oh, fan. Oh, they're bandwagon. Year. Yeah, they right, are. They, but- they chose, right, Taylor just happened to date one of the best players on one of the best team in the best dynasty of the last 20 years in the NFL. It's just so unfair. Why couldn't she have dated Brock Purdy? Why couldn't she have dated, you know, S- Sam Howell? Zach like, Wilson. Like, come on now. <laughs> yes, right, yes. It would have been perfect if she was dating Zach Wilson, right? Or Joe Flacco. Instead, she's with Travis Kelsey. He's the best tight end we've had maybe in the history of the sport. It's just unfair. So the first winner of the week is all the Taylor Swift fans out there that were celebrating the Super Bowl uh, basically like it was uh, the greatest thing in the world, and they, they don't know what losing feels like. That's what <laughs> I'm so pissed off about. Dude, if this three-peat happens, it's gonna, I know. people are going to be really not happy oh, with I know. Taylor Swift. Oh, oh, I know. Believe me, they're not gonna, the Swifties out there, they're not going to stop watching football. All right, They're going to be back next year for Travis to run it back. And that's what he said. They're ready for a three-peat. They're going to try to make it happen. My first loser of the week, though, loser of the big game, it's actually a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco. Stubb, I was getting ready to blame him for the loss, man. He, he's known for running like an animal, right? He runs so hard. 
but he ran too hard and fumbled. And then he had the other play where they pitched it to him, and he dropped the pitch. I was getting ready to blame Isaiah Pacheco for the loss, so I'm giving him one of the losers of the game. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it did not seem like Pacheco was doing a lot, especially when you compare him to CMC on the other end, putting up 160 yeah. yards, 80 rushing, 80 receiving. Who you got, winner and loser of the big game? My first winner is going to be the kickers. The, the Niners kicker goes out there, sets an NFL record for longest kick in Super right. Bowl history. What was it, and, 56 yards? It, it was like 54 and yeah. then 10 minutes later, the Chiefs break the record with the 57. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty incredible. That's a good winner of the week to pick the kickers there because uh, both of them broke the record. Like that, That's obviously never happened before. We have two kickers break a record uh, simultaneously there in one game. Good choice there. I'll go with the easy winner of the week here. Not just Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes' legs. Right When he yeah. scrambles, he always gets the yards he needs. And, he, and it's so smart because he doesn't do it too often. Right, he definitely doesn't run it, uh, you know, more than five or six times a game. He's not like he's Lamar Jackson or anything like that. But when he runs, when he does decide to try to pick up the first down, he almost always does. He did it twice in that final drive. Uh, he was just terrific for the game. Nine carries, 66 yards, 22 uh, long yard run there in, in the final drive, 7.3 yards per carry. He had a, several times he picked up a key third down, even a fourth down. Patrick Mahomes' legs have to be a winner of the week. Hey, fair enough. All right, I got a loser here, and it's someone who didn't play, and that would be Kadarius Tony. Poor, <laughs> poor Kadarius Tony. They yeah. made it to the he playoffs. He still gets a ring, though. They said, <laughs> we can't rely on you anymore. We're, we're going to say you're sick. We're going to bench you healthy for the Super Bowl. We're done with you. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Uh, here's one. All right. San Francisco 49ers defensive end. Not Chase Young. Chase Young made some plays. I'm going to give loser of the week to Nick Bosa. Oh. Nick Bosa. Four tackles, two tackles for losses, no sacks, didn't show up on the final drive. I think a lot of people would argue that he was outplayed by Chase Young, who made that one big play on Patrick Mahomes, forcing him to throw it away, and then the other play where he made the sack. They were talking more about Chase Young than they were Nick Bosa, even though Bosa is supposed to be an all-pro player. I felt like he didn't show up enough for the 49ers defense there. He's one of my losers of the week. This feels like what I would expect from Chase Young. Not show up until it's the Super Bowl and the most people yeah. are watching him. Yep. Just, uh, whew. who knows where he'll be next year, and I don't think he's going to make a lot of money, even with a good Super Bowl game. Yep. I'm going to go winner of the week here, Travis Kelsey. I, I just thought Kelsey, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like the way he shoved Andy Reid on the sideline, and I love Andy Reid. And as soon as I saw that, I said, get your hands off my grandpa. All right, that is like my favorite coach in the history of the NFL. And, I, I mean, I was almost crying the way he kind of stumbled and almost fell to the ground. But Travis Kelsey came back in the second half and was terrific. Ten targets, nine receptions. The only one he dropped was the throw to the end zone that would have won the game uh, there. It was a bad throw by Mahomes. But really, Travis Kelsey, it was the big play he had on that final drive in regulation where he took Fred Warner and he just broke his ankles. He had a little bit of leverage outside. He faked outside, cut inside. It was a drag route, and he took it for 22 yards. It was his longest reception of the game. He got the Chiefs all the way down to the 11-yard line, and it kind of like opened up the Kansas City offense there to continue to play well in overtime. Kelsey ends up as the leading receiver, not just for the Chiefs, but for both teams. Winner of the week, nine receptions, 93 yards for Travis Kelsey.
And then for a loser, we talked about the tight end battle all week. Where was George Kittle? Yeah. Just Believe me, I had a bet on George Kittle uh, over and catches. Lost that one. He was only two receptions for four yards. Now, he did have the one, I think it was a fourth down catch, but he got like one yard on the play. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, he didn't show up. He's yeah. supposed to be like top three tight ends in the league, and he wasn't there. I know. I, I, I it think was surprising. Look, I, I've always said George Kittle is a great tight end because he can block and he can catch, and I think he did good blocking, right? Like, I don't know if McCaffrey ends up with 80 yards rushing if George Kittle didn't have a good blocking game, but they were not able to open up for him in, in the receiving game. You know who had a better game than George Kittle? Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, <laughs> who's barely used. He had the first pa catch of the game, and then another one, two catches for 31 yards. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey had the most receiving yards on the Niners by 31. Yeah. Just not, not a lot of receiving going on for no, the not at Niners all. this game. All right, so my final loser of the week, Kyle Shanahan. I started the show with this. I think he lost the 49ers that game by deferring the coin toss. You win the coin toss. We found out post game that if the forty if the Chiefs won the coin toss, they were going to defer. They were going to give the 49ers the ball. The 49ers won the coin toss but then decided to take the ball, which was the wrong choice. Stubb, you told me before the Super Bowl that heads has a better chance of hitting. The original coin toss was heads. It was. I believe overtime was tails never fails. You right? were correct. Uh, yep, and the 49ers took the ball, even though they should have obviously given it to the Chiefs with the new rules. And it just it makes so sense, so much sense that Andy Re he's an NFL historian, right? He studied the new overtime rules and came away with the decision to defer, whereas Kyle Shanahan obviously didn't make sense his decision, right? You know, there was some there was some talk. Maybe he's, he's asking for the ball because his defense was tired. No, we played the audio. He said after the game he wanted the ball first so that if it was tied, they would get that third possession. It was never going to be tied because the Chiefs were going to always go for the jugular, go for the win, and that's exactly what they did. And they were victorious. Super Bowl 58 champions, your Kansas City Chiefs. We'll continue to recap the big game. Bud Light big game recap with Mark Schofield coming up next on The Fan. Brea will inbound to Bennett at midcourt. He comes to the near side with the dribble, gets a screen. Holmes has got it, top of the key. He will drive right side, throws it up off the glass. It's no good. Ball tipped, picked up by Shoulder, and that is going. Let's see. To do it! Ball game! Rams win! Rams win! Rams win! Rams win! Rams win! Rams win! Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. That was Robbie Robinson on the call via Rams Unlimited. You heard it right here on 910 The Fan as VCU defeats number 18 Dayton in a defensive battle, 49-47. to Thanks to that final defensive stance right there, the Rams get a two-point victory. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Robbie Robinson. What's going on, Robbie? Adam, man, probably not my finest call ever. I wish I had that one back. But still, a win to win, and we will take it on Saturday or on Friday night, man. That was a, that was definitely a fun one. The Seattle Center was uh, as excited as I feel like I've seen it in the last five to ten years, and it was just one of those games, man. It was a huge win for VCU, and now you gotta uh, can move on and go on the next one. Just keep on trucking. The train does not stop in the A10. 
Yeah, let's go back to that final play. I, mean, I don't think anybody can blame you with that call because it looked like Shoga got fouled with like a couple point seconds <laughs> left there. Deron Holmes missed the shot, though, and VCU comes away with the win. What did it look like from your perspective? Yeah, I, I, you're right. Like That's why there was kind of a pause. I, it looked like they might have called a foul on Shoga, but I think it was a big-time referee crew, Roger Ayers and Ted Valentine. I think they realized with 0.3 seconds left, let's just let it go. Uh, here's what I saw. I saw another stop by VCU's defense, <laughs> something that they did the entire – I mean, that, that, that's what it looked like for me. And, you know, their, Dayton's offense really for basically the entire second half, Adam, was let's just clear it out for Deron Holmes. I feel like I was calling NBA basketball for real. Like, let's just clear it out and see what happens. And I, I'm not sure how the conversation goes in the Dayton huddle. Uh, but it seemed to me like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to draw on after a couple screens and let him drive. And draw on, you got to make the shot. And if he would have done that, we would have gone to overtime. And who knows what would have happened then. But uh, he missed. He goes high off the glass. And it takes a, a VCU bounce. And like the Rams have been doing all game long, they got the rebound. And there was no second chance points for Dayton. And then it was, it was really kind of pandemonium in the arena, Adam. Like, I, you, know, you know where we sit. We've had exciting games there before. But I just don't ever remember since they've, you know, we've moved up to the top of Section 25 up there in that radio perch. I don't remember ever being able to see, like, the release, joy, celebration by a VCU you know, uh, fan base, like, right that. And it was just, it was really cool. Like, everybody just was celebrating because, I don't know, I feel like lately maybe we haven't gotten those stops or we got the stop 45 seconds earlier. But it was truly a cool scene to kind of take a step back in the middle of the final call and, like, to see everybody just celebrating. Yeah, especially because it was great defense from start to finish by the Rams holding Dayton to just 47 points. Uh, Robbie Robinson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can hear every game on 910 The Fan with Robbie and Rodney Ashby. I do the pregame, and during my pregame, I do a player spotlight, and I wanted to spotlight Jason Nelson. Comes off the bench after starting the last few games, 11 points off the bench. Hit his first three threes. That was so huge for the Rams offensively, Robbie. I mean, I don't think you can talk enough about Jason. And, you know, Jason's been up and down for us this year. Let's be honest. I mean, he, he had been, you know, he was three out of his last 19 shooting threes before he came off. And to have the guts and, like, I think the confidence and the ability to do exactly what he did in that Dayton game with the stakes as high as they are, like, I don't think anybody could have blamed Jason if he all of a sudden took a step back and said, look, I'm not going to do this. But he didn't. And, man, that was just a huge shot in the arm for for Coach Odom and the entire team. I'm so proud of the way like he came out and and just without any hesitation banged three threes in a row and got us a lead that was really kind of what we built on. And obviously we fought for it the rest of the way. But without those three-pointers going on early from Jason, I think it's a totally different game. So, you know, is Jason going to be a guy that's going to hit six three-pointers a game? I don't know, maybe. I think he's got it in him. But I just love the fact that he – uh, is really undaunted no matter what's going on. And like, you know, Rodney Ashby has said it for years and years and years. When you're a shooter like Jason Nelson, you're either hot or you're due. And I think he had that <laughs> mindset going in on Friday night. And thank goodness he did because it made a huge difference for the Rams in that win. Yep, VCU defeats Dayton at home at the Siegel Center. Sold-out game, uh, gold-out game, 49-47. to Just a terrific defensive performance from start to finish. And I want to dive into that. So when the Rams lost to St. Bonaventure, they let Chad Venning kind of 
dictate the game with the way he ran off of screens, the way he was uh, passing out of double teams. Against Deron Holmes, VCU just, they switched so well, right? When Holmes was getting double teamed, he'd have to make a cross-score pass, and then by the time they had an open shot, VCU was able to get a hand up. But I just thought the team defense was spectacular. Well, yeah, and I think this team really learns from its mistakes. And, I, you know, who knows what that's going to look like down the stretch if, you know, the final mistake that they don't get to learn from happens in Brooklyn or, you know, they go to Brooklyn all buttoned up on everything and really the mistakes are minimum. But, you know, Adam, I think we all have to take a step back and talk about the way we've played defense, not just on Friday night, but really since that George Washington game at the beginning of the year. I mean, we're one of the yeah. best defensive teams in the country. And I tell you what, I just did. It makes me so happy for Coach Odom to stay the course. Like, he knew what he had. And when entire VCU Twitter was saying, you got to play zone. You know, why don't we play zone? <laughs> Man, why aren't we a 1-3-1? One, one? Or look at this 2-3. Well, I mean, let's, I want to talk to all those people that said that. How do you like us now? And how do you like the coaching <laughs> staff now that, you know, we have one of the best defenses playing some of the best defenses in the country? I'm really glad. And I don't know if the VCU Twitter feels this way, but – I'm really glad that we didn't take time to all of a sudden try to implement a defense that isn't super easy to grasp. I don't care what you think from a 2-3 zone. That we really sat down and figured out the man-to-man principles, and Coach Odom inspired the guys to play at a higher level, which is really all that it was. And I think he would tell you that. Like, it's not a, it's not a logistics thing with this team. It's probably an effort thing and just a, a focus thing. And they got the focus and the effort. And I think we're seeing why Ryan Odom was so heralded coming to us. And when we made that hire back in April, it was like, this is, we got a great coach, guys. And sure enough, I mean, again, we were great defensively in the last couple of years. There's no doubt. One of the best defensive teams in the country. Adam, the A-10 is better this year than it's been in the last couple of years, and we're playing better defense. Can you – here's a funny – I said this in the postgame show, so it's reiterating. One of our Papa John's commercials where we talk about if you win, you get free pizza the next day or whatever, um, it's a cut of me going, and the Rams win 53-52. And that's kind of been a running joke between my friends and I that, like, oh, my gosh, remember those days we'd actually hold teams to 53 or 52? But we just won 49-47. And I, yeah. I just I, – I mean, I don't know if anybody would have seen that coming in early January. And I'll reiterate it again. I'm so happy that we have a coach that knows enough about the game of basketball to not hear what other people are saying in his ears but actually stick with what he knows his team can do best because right now we're one of the best defensive teams in all of America. Period. Yeah. A hard stop. What VCU has done this season is so impressive. You mentioned the defense. You got four blocks in that game. One from Lawal, Toby, two from uh, Furman. Kwani Kwani had a huge block <laughs> shot there in that game. Also a steal. He's really come on strong offensively and defensively. Uh, but you know, we talk a lot about last year's team that was so talented that won the regular season and the A10 conference tournament. But the, this team is deeper. I mean, the theme of this season for me is bench points. You look at the box score every game. We never lose the bench points category. It was 23-8 to eight against the Dayton Flyers. Well, it helps when the guy coming off your bench is Joe Bamisil. Like, when he's right. one of the guys yeah. that come off your bench, like, that really helps your bench points. I mean, taking nothing away from, oh, I don't know, Nick Kern or whoever, although Nick started a lot. Hey, pick your player from the last couple of years, like, you know, when you got an immediate bucket maker coming off your bench, it's going to be difficult, I think, for the Rams to lose the bench scoring. Uh, but the depth, and that was a key, too. Coach Odom talked about that before the game. He didn't say anything about it in the pregame interview. I should have asked him about it. I didn't. But uh, he said, you know, guys, after we got done the interview, we're walking out of the Basketball Development Center. He's like, one of the real keys is our, our depth. Our depth is a real strength today. Because they didn't play a lot of people. I think they played maybe seven guys 
maybe eight, but two of those guys barely played. Meanwhile, we're running in Bannisville, and we're bringing the wall off the bench. And, oh, here's Jason Nelson who's going to drive home three threes. Our depth has become a real strength, Adam. You say it really – I mean, you articulate that really well. Like that, I think, down the stretch. But it's – I think when you have depth like that, you've got to have the buy-in from the guys. And what I've seen over the last couple of weeks is they come in and they don't try to do too much. A lot of times, I think college players, if they're coming off the bench, they're going to try to show that they deserve more minutes and they're going to play above themselves. We're not doing that. Coach Odom and his staff are so in tune with the guys psychologically that they know that if they go in and do all that they're asked to do, we can be successful. And that's what I think Jason does. I think that's what Toby does. Obviously, Bamisil knows his role to come out. I mean, those are three legit guys. Uh, that we have coming off the bench in that case. And I think that's, that's been the real key, and I think it's going to be the key down the stretch. I really do. It, we've got a great rotation now. We have really good rotation, and it's starting to click because, what, we're now on eight out of nine with the only losses at St. Bonaventure against a team that I think right now is probably just not a good matchup for us. We could tighten that up by the time we get to the lead, to the tournament, but I think right now St. Bonaventure just is, is one of those tough matchups, kind of like, kind of like we're a tough matchup for Richmond for whatever reason. Uh, there's probably just different ways personnel-wise. But, man, 8 out of 9 against an A-10 that is um, really good. And, Adam, when you look at the standings between Chicago, Dayton, and Richmond, the top three teams ahead of us, those three teams have combined to lose five times total. Richmond once, Dayton, and Chicago twice. Three of those five losses have come at the hands of the Rams. Three of those five losses are the top three teams. So, I mean, when you're talking about going down to or going up to Brooklyn, you do not want to see VCU on your side of the bracket. Robbie, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks so much. All right, have a good rest of the uh, rest of the week, Adam. I'll talk to you soon. All right, the Rams hit the road for their second matchup against the St. Louis Billikens. That will be this Friday night at 7 p.m. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.15 on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. And Burger Night is back. And better than before, every Monday, yes, today, from 3 p.m. until midnight, get a great deal on Capital Ale House's seared and smashed quarter and half pound burgers with any beverage purchase, all right? You can get a cheeseburger for $2.95, add mushroom and gruyere for $3.95, bacon and beer cheese for $3.95. All the burgers are smashed and seared with onions, lettuce, pickles, and tomatoes. It is amazing. One of my favorite burgers in town. Take advantage of it. Burger night, Monday night from 3 p.m. to close. Two ninety-five or three ninety-five burgers here at Capital Ale House. As I'm back here at Capital Ale after last Monday, we started five live shows from Vegas, Bud Light, Big Game Week, and we had so much great t- content. Like I'm saying, it felt like a month's worth of content squeezed into one week that I actually have some leftover stuff. On Friday... My show ended at 3 p.m., which was actually 12 noon Vegas time. And, Stubb, this is where I need you to chime in here. I I was confused by the timing, and so all week long I was promoting an interview with Kevin Harlan that I had lined up for 1 p.m. on Friday, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Everyone's going to be able to hear Kevin Harlan. Well, the interview was actually 1 p.m. Pacific time, which was 4 p.m. Eastern time after I had gotten off the air. (laughs) A <laughs> little bit late. That's <laughs> all right. A little bit late. A little bit late. I was thinking, I was like, Stubb, can we interrupt Grant and Danny and just say, hey, <laughs> I'm here with Kevin Harlan? Uh, but anyway, I had my conversation with Kevin Harlan on 4 p.m. on Friday. We released it on 
podcast after the show. So some of you may have heard him predicting the big game, talking about the Super Bowl. But here's the rest of that awesome interview with superstar TV and radio broadcaster Kevin Harlan. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM, Bud Light Big Game Week, five live shows here from Radio Row in Vegas. And joining us right now, very special guest, superstar radio and TV announcer Kevin Harlan. Kevin, what's up, man? Adam, I love you and I love Bud Light, so that's a good combination. <laughs> Let's get right into it here. What would you say is your favorite sporting event to call? Well, uh, Radio NFL is my is my favorite thing just because of the challenge uh, that it presents. It's the purest form of broadcasting, I think. Uh, it entails delivery, it entails skills, your word usage, pacing, I mean, all those things. <clears throat> when I do TV for CBS or TNT like last night, the picture says so much. You're kind of framing uh, what's going on. But on radio, you know, you've got a captive audience, and your words can paint the most vivid picture in a theater of the mind, and your imagination is the strongest emotion you have. Think about what a well-delivered sentence means to someone who's driving along in Richmond or wherever, and, uh, and here in a play, and if you, can, if you can capture the essence of what happened, uh, that's a win. Yeah. And I look at every play separately, and hopefully they're all a lot of wins. I'm glad you brought up theater of the mind, because that's what I was taught, what, what makes radio so special. You know, people are driving along. They can't see. You know, I'm doing sports talk. They can't see what's going on, but you can make a bit happen because it's all about theater of the mind. It, exactly. It's so strong. And that's why those radio programs from the 30s and 40s uh, were so powerful and, like, indelible in people's minds. They, they could recreate footsteps on a wooden floor, or a door shutting, or a shriek from someone getting attacked. And in your mind, you're, you're, you can picture all those things. So if I can come up with the right words, and it's always a challenge, uh, because things are happening fast, there's nothing scripted, it's all, you know, just uh, as it unfolds, um, and you can do it the right way. Um, and I can listen back and, and, and see if I'm driving, could I see where that guy ran that ball? Can I see what kind of catch he made? Do I know where it was? Uh, those are the things that I check off on my grade sheet. And I go through every game and every play, and I have a grade sheet that I use and listen back. And, and uh, sometimes I nail it, and sometimes i got to get better. <laughs> and and that's, that's the great challenge of the business. Kevin Harlan here with me. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio on 910 The Fan. We're the home of VCU basketball. When ah. I say VCU hoops, what comes to mind? Maynard with a big-time shot on the fly to beat Duke. <laughs> I remember that. And Coach Grant, oh, I remember that. Buffalo, New York. I remember that like it was yesterday. Shot. I mean, it was thrilling. And I'm, I love Duke, and I love Coach K. But whenever you have a team like that knock off the big guy, uh, that that makes that, that makes a, a lot happen. And um, Shaka was, was right. Was he the coach of that one? Where was it, Coach? Who, who was coach co- Grant? And coach, it, yep. coach Grant. Um, so listen, I, I I'm a I'm a uh, that remains one of my uh, best memories of doing the NCAA tournament. I'm glad you brought that up because that was Coach Anthony Grant. Shaka came after him, put VCU on the map. Though did that Eric Maynard shot. Anthony Grant's now at Dayton. Yes, he They're is. They're at VCU tonight. Oh, you're for a kidding! Big time matchup. You're kidding! Yeah. You're kidding! Uh, did Grant then go to Florida from there? Yeah. Yes, he went down there. Um, I've always admired him. I admire Shaka a lot. I think he's a he's a terrific coach, and uh, and you've had some big name people come through there. So so yeah, but that that particular game on a snowy day, cold day in Buffalo, yeah, I remember that well. And our guy in Odom, which is really yeah, cool because yeah, he right. grew up in basketball. Uh, yes, his father, I, I the famous coach at yes, Wake Forest. Yes, yes. 
Coach Odom, one of the, my favorite people in the business. Kevin, how does it make you feel that, you know, my producer told me, all right, there's a younger generation, he's like 23 years old, that only know you as the voice of NBA 2K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I started doing that in 2005, and it's been a nice little, little side thing that I do. We're, we're actually taping uh, 2K25 right now. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I do it in my closet at home, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, literally, literally in my closet. Uh, they've set up a little thing there for me, and, and I'll be on there. And then, and then on the screen up pops Doris Burke, and yeah. there she is. And so we do a, you know, a couple hours together, um, and they'll show me video clips, and I, I call those plays. It's a lot of fun. Uh, someone told me when I first got that job uh, kind of what you're talking about. They said, all the young kids that play that 2K video game are going to grow up with your voice in NBA basketball. So when I hear that story of your producer, um, that's he he has played it since I started doing it. Yeah, and uh, and that's very gratifying. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a tough business to get kind of some traction in that regard, and I'm always honored that they asked me back to do that to do that video game, and I, I still enjoy it to this day. Yeah, and you're terrific at it. I love playing NBA 2K. Oh, thank you. Speaking of the NBA, trade deadline yesterday, not much action. What did you think? Well, it, there was action for two teams that matter, the Knicks and the Milwaukee. But Milwaukee got Patrick Beverly. I thought, Adam, that that was a, a great move for a variety of reasons. Number one, his old coach is now coaching the Bucks. Yep. Uh, Doc Rivers had Pat in, in Los Angeles with the Clippers. Beverly, wherever he's gone, has been a coach favorite and a team favorite. Teammates love playing with him. Coaches love coaching him because he gives 110 every single game. He brings grit. He brings defense. He's got a long ball shot. Uh, there's so many positives with him. And the Bucks, when they lost Drew Holiday, they, they, they lost a lot of defensive presence. He gets it back for him. I love the move. Kevin, it's been a great week here live from Radio Row. I actually met and had your daughter, Olivia Harlan Decker, on the show. It was awesome. She uh, is so impressive. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, when she talks, and I mean, I, I can't believe it's my daughter. Right. I mean, so she told so... me a funny story about oh, your 60th yeah. birthday that involved your peanut allergy. What did they bring <laughs> out as the dessert? She told me to ask oh, you. Oh, I'm allergic to peanuts, and there was something in the, in the cake uh, crust They'd have peanuts in there, and the guy that runs the restaurant, this is up in a little town in Wisconsin, <laughs> had to run out to the uh, the gas station about five miles down the road to get me some Benadryl oh to kind of offset the, the swelling <laughs> I was having in my throat. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's, <laughs> she would bring that up. <laughs> I was on my 60th, but she was there. You know what she did? She got about 40 of the people that I've worked with over my career, got them each to tape something on their phone, and she put together this wonderful collage uh, that I still look at from time to time. Uh, she is a remarkable, she's a great mom, a great wife, and, and I think a, a terrific young broadcaster. And I'm, I, I could not be more proud of the woman that she is and the broadcaster that she is. Kevin, really appreciate the time. Thank you, Thanks Adam. So How fun to be on with you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan.